What did you think of the movie, first of all? Should you have a judgment? What was the title of it again? I've, I could, the, I wonder. Life, the Wonder. The Wonder. The Wonder. Yeah. I couldn't remember. I kept getting it wrong. My wife's like, The Wonder. <laughs> um, I I thought a lot of things about it. It, it was one of those where I'm kind of like still sitting with it. Uh, it it definitely has one of the weirdest soundtracks of any movie I've seen in a while. It's like the whole soundtrack's made out of breaths or something. Like it's this it's this weird like, and it almost feels like a horror movie in spots, but it's but it's not like the way the the music and the tension play together. Um, it's beautifully shot. Yeah. Oh my god, it's just gorgeous. Yeah, it was um, really impressive. Uh, I I kind of kept waiting for it to feel like something on Netflix, and like it kept just being really um, respectable as a movie. Like it was <laughs> <laughs> like you know, it didn't it didn't have, I I didn't know either. Like I thought it was going to be something supernatural in it from the beginning, and then I think I didn't notice her like taking laudanum or whatever the fuck was in the jar or the bottle mm -hmm. um, at first. So uh, like, I didn't catch that in the first scene. I just saw her like in ecstasy on the bed and I was like, what's happening in this fucking town? <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like 20 minutes later, I was like, I figured it out. I'm like, I think I, I think I missed something there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh what was well, funny because uh through certain lens there is sort of a curse breaking that happens in the movie and uh but it's under the guise of being uh under the banner of logic and reason <laughs> which is really funny hmm. explain well so right so so she determines that the this girl's actually dying it's not a miracle but she has to do like a, a ritualistic. She has to kill her, kill the girl ritualistically, so that she can be born again, and then end the the sort of the the for lack of a better term, I, I think of it as a curse that she's placed under, where she won't eat. Ooh, okay, she's like, okay, yeah, okay. Uh, so, yeah, so she like she basically whether she realized it or not, she ended up doing like a, a ritual or a ceremony to cut her, cut this girl free of the burden of her past. Yeah. Um, uh, and then she's, she has a new life. So it ends up being like, but it's all done under the guise of like uh, science and logic and reason. And, but it's, it's solved in this very unreasonable, illogical way um, where, where it's a performative act. That needs to happen to to uh to set this girl free um at least that's 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 what i was reading into it um that's interesting that you saw it immediately as being like ritualistic because i i noticed that there was that aspect but i was i feel like there was kind of a tonal dissonance for me sometimes where it seemed like it was really taking the side of the kind of scientific point of view and yeah they didn't really leave much mystery it was all pretty obvious what was going on if you know what I mean like yeah 
there was no ambiguity about the facts, you know, and she had found the facts, this, the nurse. Yeah. So she was kind of like crusading. It became kind of a crusade for her. And I, I thought that was kind of tonally dissonant with ultimately the, the kind of ritualistic death that you described. And then I didn't really get how they like wrapped it all up in the end either. It was kind of, it was a little bit of a mess, the, the way that they presented it, I think. I was a little confused about what they were trying to say. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. Although so, oh, it ahead. was really beautiful. Uh, it was a really beautiful film with really nice music. The music was awesome. Yeah, I love the music. It reminded me yeah. of, um, I forget what it was. There's some indie movie about a couple, like lesbians living in like basically a castle. Like <laughs> they discover that they're in love. Um, and they're not supposed to be. And it was a really good movie. I can't remember what the hell it was called. Is it uh, is it is it Portrait of a Girl on Fire or yes, something like that? That's the one. I've never even seen the movie, but I'm just taking a guess because you're yeah. like lesbians in a castle, and I'm like, mm, I think it's this movie. <laughs> I think I think it was actually originally called Lesbians in a Castle, and they changed it to last minute. <laughs> <laughs> what but, a, that would have been. They should have gone with that. Lesbians in a Castle. Yeah, <laughs> I would have watched that. <laughs> I highly recommend it. It's a really good movie. Um, but that that movie had the like chanting kind of stuff in it, and it was it was awesome. And it oh man, that the soundtrack to that was great. Um, but it it was it was very reminded me of the same kind of stuff. And I I don't remember what the fucking soundtrack to the witch was like, but I feel like it should have been that shit if it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we go much further, this movie is basically about a, a girl that won't eat because God. Um, and uh, people in a town that are like, it's a miracle and this is cool. And then they call, and some of the people don't think it's cool and they have a committee and there's a lot of her own thing. And they call in a nurse who is supposed to watch her. She's charged to make sure that it's like a real miracle make sure she's not eating anything. Um, and then it kind of unfolds from there, uh, which I'm sure will happen rather quickly as we talk about it. But uh, was well, specifically she's not eating as sort of an atonement to get her brother out of hell because I guess her brother was sleeping with her and married her or something. I, that part got that was really like whispery and quiet. So I was like, is is this is this what's happening in this? Like, <laughs> yes, whispery and quiet by Werner Herzog. <laughs> <laughs> breathy and somehow still aggressive <laughs> aggressively quiet yeah, yeah that's yeah, basically <laughs> basically they were having like an incestuous relationship and he had kind of like described it she had understood it as kind of a marriage and like a double love but she was traumatized from it as from what i understood and then that uh she this was kind of like part of her traumatism that was being supported by her family and by like parts of uh, the community. Hmm. And her family were equally traumatized and the community was just kind of like, didn't really have anything, I think. Yeah, and this is also happening right after the Irish famine. And they mentioned that in the beginning of, right. the, of the film too. So there was like a hunger was a big theme and like famine. But I, I, that's why I'm saying I was a little confused ultimately about what 
they were trying to say about that because there's also this kind of like vibe of a commentary on empire but i thought that there wasn't really a clear message about empire really at the end and they kind of had this like wrap up and they talk about it directly like empire blah 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 uh and then it kind of made a point about like focusing so much on one extraordinary child who is starving uh as opposed to like all of the other children ordinary children who are starving and i wasn't really sure how that was relevant to what uh this particular story which is very like personal you know mm-hmm. like i didn't see any other starving children in the movie yeah i wonder if that's if that's more that's like that's again the I don't know, kind of referencing back to the whole like logic reason versus spiritual thing, kind of like why should this matter? Only because it's this one person doing it as a supposed miracle when like they're choosing it. I that's what I feel like they were trying to balance. I, I kind of get what you mean though. Like um like there's sort of like a, a waving hand at that, but it isn't really it doesn't really feel exactly connected to the narrative. Um, I thought that beginning, the very beginning and very end thing where it's like on a set, like yeah. that that seemed completely out of place for me. And everything else in the film seemed great. Like um, all these all these things you guys are saying, like I totally get it, but I, it didn't hit me that way. Like um, I see I see now like that it could easily be, but like I, I, I took it more as a, like a commentary on just how fraught it all is because at each step of the way there was no clear answer there there still wasn't a clear answer to me at the end and I thought like by the end of it I was like it seems intentional that there's never a clear answer of what's right like um because you do have this element of (laughs) right like in this case the Irish are the indigenous and these are colonialists like coming and imposing science and demystification upon their miracle, which is something these people might actually need. And uh, while miracles are real, and it could be taken that this story is saying that that, that, that it's not, right? That it's, that it's saying that um, the miracle ends up being fake and that could be a commentary on miracles in general. But I think it might be more commentary on like, how suffering and trauma can also birth new hope and new beauty like mm-hmm. even when it's unhealed there's like this like the same way that like art is often born um and i i think uh so, so you you have this back and forth thing but you also have then like the the nurse who is being humanitarian and cares about the girl and like you can see from her perspective, like this makes sense from her perspective that the girl's life matters more than anything, because mm-hmm. that's all that's there for her. But yeah. the for the whole family, it's like the ritual might actually need to occur to prevent their. Like as magicians, I look at this and I'm like, uh, this might actually be something that carries on for fucking generations if it doesn't cancel out somehow. And mm maybe they're going about it all wrong but they're responding to like a real thing i think um and i think the interesting thing is how these two 
these two viewpoints intersected and they managed to save the life through magic, but it was conducted by the person that didn't believe in magic. Yeah, they were used as a tool. Like yeah. you were saying. Um, yeah. Well, and then also like this might actually like the that this might be the that might be the answer to that girl's prayers. Like her prayers worked. What she was trying to do was accomplished. Um, right. Yeah. But also the the nurse does do magic. Like she's like tripping balls and having sex all the time. <laughs> and being a woman who is like in a medical profession, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She has this kind of witchy vibe at the same time. I yeah, think. that's true. It's which is interesting. Like, like she's just uh, she's just oblivious to it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, she has all the codes, you know. Like she has like yeah, there's like languorous scenes where she's lounging on a bed, like tripping on laudanum or opium or something. I, I thought it was opium, but something good. <laughs> and. Uh, and then like playing with the baby shoes because she has her own trauma, which is that she basically, she said she was a widow, but then later on you learn that she uh, like lost her child and her husband left her because of that. And so that's kind of a, she's dealing with the loss of her child. So she kind of adopts this child too. Yeah, and it becomes a motherly figure. Yeah. It's like, it's like it, it solves to, her ritual death like kind of solves two two traumas in a way maybe. yeah she burns those those little booties that she's been saving and smashes the the opium or whatever like in the house that she burns to trick everyone into thinking that the girl died so she can go and bury her and then or not bury her but like tell her she's dead and then give her a new name so she doesn't have to be herself anymore but like but that part where she where she puts the uh, the booties in there and lets them burn. It's like you're saying. It's like she's she's getting rid of her own curse there too. Yeah. Um. And yeah, that it's really heavy because it it it's like it looks like she's the social worker, but in and she's yeah. actually the shaman. <laughs> but there was some social worker like rhetoric in there too. Like the, at one point, she was literally like. She said literally, love requires intervention at some point to the guy when she's trying to convince her like accomplice to kidnap the child, basically. She's like, we need to intervene because the parents are going to kill her, basically. Mm. And uh, that seemed kind of like a commentary on like, or kind of a reference to, what are they, the Christian scientists, right? Who don't... Oh. Oh yeah, the Christian scientists, they only pray. They don't yeah. do, use any med yeah. Yeah. yeah, so there's like children dying of, of whatever disease and they don't use uh, medicine. They don't allow the doctor to see them basically. Mm. Uh, and she basically is advocating for uh, taking the children out and like, mm. so. Yeah, I just imagine a social worker. Just imagine like praying over your broken leg. You just be like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> <laughs> like, fucking stint it. Like, like wrap that shit. <laughs> For a second, I was imagining that's actually the prayer to the to the broken leg. Fuck you, leg. 
Fucking fix yourself. <laughs> Turn the leg upside down and bury it on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> well, it actually, it uh, it makes me wonder. Do you think? Do you think her, the nurse, is the is the shaman in this case, or is it actually the little girl? Because it's she's the the little girl is the one that's actually doing the ritual, in a sense. Like the whole movie is. Because she's the one that's praying, and then like, yeah, and it's it's really it's yeah, it's hard to say who's who. I guess, but it's interesting too because it doesn't start off as like the point is she has to die. It starts yeah. off like she's becoming a miracle, and and the people need that, mm-hmm. and and then from there, once once the nurse is like to get to get a clear picture of this, I have to, you know, make sure no one comes near her that's when she starts starving because the mom is no longer baby birding her food (laughs) which is to me just one of the i i it was so like i I couldn't help but just laugh my ass off at that like just every time it came up i'm just like (laughs) gross (laughs) manna from heaven is disgusting I was waiting for it to be like like mushrooms or something, you know. <laughs> She's giving her yahe. It's cool. <laughs> She's photosynthesizing now. I like that the doctor mentioned photosynthesis as a possibility. Yeah, here is. Like, I, I like how he was this perfect avatar for like the the disgusting scientist who's just like like a religious zealot for for new discoveries and and power over the material world. Yeah, he was also kind of a he was also kind of a quack you no know? he was like talking about magnetism and stuff or from her <laughs> point of view he was kind of a quack right yeah but i'm not sure see i'm not sure where i think ultimately it kind of came down on the side of like quackery and superstition uh it did pose them as kind of superstitious but as you said she was also uh the girl really was miraculous and she mm-hmm. was even the miracle that the that the nurse was looking for yeah uh, and the nurse like fell in love with her instantly basically and did all of that to protect her because she yeah and then eventually adopted her Hmm. yeah and that man that was something about so you were talking about the commentary about the like uh, colonial stuff and it it was interesting to me because at the end i was i just felt like she was in another cage even though she was eating like I was just like, oh, now you're at this fucking stuffy ass dinner, and you have to live in England. Great. Well, and then and then that fourth wall breaking lady it's says like, in, like out. in yeah yeah in out in out in out at the in, end out yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? So so actually thinking about it, I I'm sort of think the framing device is supposed to be like, don't even though ostensibly this is about you know, logic and science and reason winning over superstition and religiosity. Don't forget that this is also a story that's being told, that this is also a myth, like a bit of mythology. I think that's what they were trying to do. Um, yeah. Well, fourth wall breaking woman also kind of accuses the nurse of being uh herself within 
with with stories and mythologies and she's like writing down measurements and books and stuff you know so she's oh, kind of true. yeah referencing yeah, science itself as being a, a mythology or a story and that yeah storytelling was a big theme and and kind of like <laughs> that truth it, it it was almost saying that truth is a fiction Mm-hmm. But yeah. but I still ultimately found that there was kind of a hierarchy of truth that was implicit in the movie. Mm. Like uh, like that the I, I think that the kind of the materialist like lens of the movie maker kind of overcame the more supernatural part. Mm. If you if you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I I feel like it was, it might have been meant to, like, be presented to someone with that materialist mindset, and then push them to be like, but wait, you know, like mm-hmm. that, that may have been the intent was to, because uh, the whole in-out thing at the end, like, <laughs> the old in-out, in-out, <laughs> it, uh, it suggests to like look for something more in in a pattern and and it kind of it kind of feels like it's a little like tease to to anyone who was just like there nice little bow wait what <laughs> oh we should say that the, that the 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 in out is in relate at one point the girl is given a gift by um this guy is a journalist who's like trying to like uh reveal that she's a fraud that it's not actually a miracle and the the nurse and him kind of get in cahoots and and at one point he meets this the girl and gives her this like what the hell are they called um uh they're like the little the little coin that you pull the threads on and so it spins and so it's it's got two images on either side and like when you spin it it like they look like the images look like they overlap and so on one is a bird, one side is a bird and the other side is a cage. And then as it's, a it's actually, little, yeah. And actually, actually the girl, the girl's the first one that says it like in out in out, like the, the bird's cage and then the bird's free and then the bird's cage and the bird's free. Um, so there, there definitely feels like there's a, that's also part of it. Like this, like nesting, like, uh, is it this or is it that, is it both together? kind of thing mm. yeah like two simultaneous realities because the girl asks is the is the bird free or is it in a cage or is it in prison and i yeah. think that the the nurse responds uh like it's both i think mm. i think it was her response i thought that was interesting mm. it is always both though right yeah I think so. Like even the freest person in the world is still like in a body. <laughs> <laughs> Has to eat and shit and all that, all that stuff. Well, there, there. I mean, that that plays into that. There's that idea too that like discipline creates a certain amount of freedom because it's like uh, it cuts out things to worry about, so you have more optionality in a narrower place. Um, yeah, and there's something about routine that cuts out like extraneous thought to like yeah. what you have to do. Like you can just kind of be empty and go about it. <clears throat> um, 
I, I also, the other thing, I didn't realize that, let's see, what, what era was this in Ireland? Um, I, I didn't realize that the Irish uh, made sure that all the interiors of their houses look like a David Lynch film with their crazy, weird, green <laughs> interiors. Oh, yeah, I was looking at that. The, it's like green that's flecked with orange, kind of. It's kind of like red yeah. or orange flickering that happens on, on, the, on the paints. And I was like, oh, how did they do that? <laughs> and, it's, and everything is like super organic looking too because of how it was built. So it's, it has, it's this really strange like pocket. You know, it actually, it actually looked like, like the oatmeal. Yeah, it looked it looked like the orange room from from uh, 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 Videodrome. Actually, is what it looked like. This like all the walls look like this like really layered, weird. Yeah, um, and it, it's I I want I want to know if the director was a I wonder if he did theater at one point because there's a quality of this movie, especially in the staging and like all the framing that it feels like you're on you're watching a stage play mm-hmm. uh, um especially since a lot of it takes place in the uh in the girl's room which is upstairs in there in this house and it's it, all of the windows are at the like foot level so it all looks like they're lit by footlights too which is really fun oh yeah it's a good point didn't notice that and I love the field, the, the field, the heath that they're walking through all the time too. Yeah. That house is, yeah, the, the, the setting in the house is beautiful, I think. All of the, the stage direction and the lighting. It was a really pretty, pretty movie. Yeah, yeah. and it's very beautiful. It's sparse too. Like the landscape was like, just like, there's no trees really. It was just these rolling, hill, rolling hills of grass. And it reminded me of... Um, there's a painter named Odd Nerdrum who uh, both him and then uh, he was influenced by this American painter, Andrew Wyeth. And the images in this movie remind me of their paintings, which Andrew Wyeth in particular, they have this really haunted quality to them. Um, Andrew Wyeth's most famous painting is Christina's World, which I'm sure most people are kind of familiar with. Uh which is this kind of, and actually it sort of fits. It's this uh, sickly girl in a pink dress that's like at the bottom of the hill looking up at um, at a house that on a hilltop. And um, it was famously, that was, she was, uh, she was an invalid to, to uh, and sickly. So she never could travel very far. So that was basically the furthest she ever got away from her house. Um, and so it feels of a piece with this movie, like this idea of like being trapped in this in this one space. Um, kind of like that in Lesbians in a Castle too. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I think. Can we can we review Lesbians in a Castle, but just make oh, yeah. what the story I is? <laughs> only, if, only if we can find someone to do a, like a good Photoshop job on the title <laughs> on the cover. <laughs> I could probably pull that off. <laughs> uh, I'll work in uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. 
references somehow. The whole soundtrack will be Castlevania. <laughs> <laughs> That was this really beautiful romantic <laughs> movie, and then weirdly they had to kill Dracula in the middle of it. It was really strange. <laughs> I hope they'll be doing laudanum. <laughs> of course. Why would you not? <laughs> it's reindeer juice. <laughs> reindeer juice. <laughs> like Amanita filled reindeer piss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, how did you? Uh, how did you? I didn't even. I had knew nothing about this movie. I didn't even know anything about it. How did you get? What made you? What drew you to it? Out of curiosity. Who are you asking? Uh, I'm asking you because you're that you picked the movie. Me? So that's why. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was me. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, I just saw the the commercial, and I was like, "Ooh, interesting!" Wow, and that was it. Okay, that's <laughs> actually really fun. It's usually like I've loved this movie my whole life, and no one ever cares, and I just want to talk about it for two hours. And you're like, I was like. Do you want to be on the show? Like, sure. What do you want to do? I don't know. This looks cool. I'm gonna watch it right now. <laughs> like, awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's pretty much what happened. No, but I'm interested in uh, anything to do with miracles and and weird cults and uh, like talking about Ireland and and uh, colonialism and um, I saw all of that. So, mm. I mean, I thought I saw that in the commercial but that was in there were themes in the in the film Phil, definitely yeah. I was delivered although I'm not quite sure exactly what they wanted to say by that but yeah anything which is miraculous is interesting do you have any favorite movies that like hold that subject matter mm, no <laughs> cool do you have yeah, any favorite movies movie? hate that the, the... <laughs> Or any of those, any of that come to mind that you really like? Like, I feel like they're hard to come by uh, as people that are actually practitioners, like to find ones that are like, oh, that's really good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is why I was interested in watching uh, this. I really liked, um, but this is old and it's not really the same. What is it? In Ingmar Bergman's, uh, like the fountain, I think is what it's called, the, the spring. And uh, that was about, that was kind of more fairy tale like or kind of more like legendary because it was about a, a girl basically who was murdered um and then she kind of like where she died there's like a spring that jumps up but it's but it's also like a weird movie about like murder and vengeance but like really artistic you know mm. <laughs> but I, I thought it was interesting in kind of thinking about how a lot of legends around medieval saints would have kind of sprung out from human drama ultimately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And what else? I'm not sure. I'm glad you brought that up. I've been meaning to get into more um, like 
I need to educate myself on my Scandinavian filmmakers so I have some shit to talk about with people here. I don't know much about, I, I don't watch that much, that many films actually, but I went through like a Ingmar Bergman, Akira Kurosawa phase. <laughs> and uh, that's how I know kind of some of that. But both of them are really good filmmakers too. I, I wouldn't say Akira Kurosawa is like making miraculous films, but. Um, Yeah, they are hard to come by, these kind of... Uh, I, I never really like what they say, I think. How do you feel about, uh, like, Yodorowsky? I haven't watched much of that, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what you think of, like, Holy Mountain or um, El Topo. They're, they're wild, and they're... Um, I mean, they're very... It's it's not like a straightforward plot line. Like it's yeah, it's they're very... they're almost they're almost like hallucinogenic or something. They're yeah, really... it's kind of like a fever dream. Um, but in a good way, like a Catholic acid trip. Um, <laughs> yeah. A Catholic acid trip. Yeah, cool. that's actually what they feel like. Uh, there's just like really holy, beautiful things. Um and gorgeous music and unbelievable costumes and and then like juxtaposed with like violent imagery at times and like sacrifices and like very pagan things that these like nuns and priests are doing in these very like desert looking scenes um it's it's potent stuff i mean yodorowsky is pretty potent i mean like the guy was a huge fan of tarot so um there's and definitely a practitioner of some kind right <laughs> um there's a there's a really yeah and he kind of did that whole no go ahead sorry no go ahead oh he he also wrote a bunch about um like psycho magic i think is what he called it i don't yeah. know if you guys have heard of that i read that book yeah yeah uh, what did well, you think of that seems interesting it's it's a really cool idea it's um because he was he was basically it's funny because it, it, it's all about ritual and it's all about ritual in relation to like uh solving psychological issues uh like one of the things i remember and some of it was as simple as like reframing things people would say about themselves like two of the things that spring to my mind is uh he had a patient that was like i feel like my i feel like my heart is filled with shit and he was like oh well that'll make good fertilizer to grow a tree and he would he would do these like little flips like that and then there was another another one where the guy where a guy was like and i actually think this is an old hoodoo thing um where a guy was like i feel like no matter where i go i'm always walking uh i'm i'm always like sorrowful or, or poor like you know no matter where i go and so he was like get two gold coins and put them in the bottom of your shoes so that you're always walking on gold and like which is these it's just this really simple like ritualistic things that like it completely shifts like your mindset and i, I think like it's, it's a real using it's using metaphor to completely bypass the need for diagnostics diagnostics yeah 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 which is absolutely yeah. fucking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you're, you're cute. You spent years mastering geomancy. 
Uh, well, I'm good at poetry, so I'm done already. <laughs> it's a cool approach. Well, it's it's funny because he's not he's not exactly alone in doing that because there there was a um, one of the earliest earliest uh, he gets grouped in with hypnotists, I believe, or hypnotherapy. Is this guy? Um, shit, Eric. Uh, what is his last name? Uh, I'll have to I'll have to look it up. It's Eric something. He was a big influence on like the whole NLP neuro linguistic programming thing. Eric Andre. It's not. It's not Andre. No, no, it's not. He's. It's. Uh, that's a whole other different type of magic that that guy does. That's. That's that's real chaos magic. <laughs> um. No, but he would do things like he would listen really carefully to what people were saying and then would have them do some really strange semi-ritualistic thing and it would it would like hijack and 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 completely transform them when it worked. It wouldn't always work, but when it worked, it worked really well. I've I've been able to do that for people like long before I was a practitioner, like I would do that for people when we were tripping together. Um mm. it would be like like if someone got stuck in a loop or something. Yeah, it would just make sense to me because I could just like see the like sort of shape of it. And it's like, a, oh, OK, we'll say what's wrong. And they would verbalize and then you just take the words and like make a solution out of the picture or the like shape that they gave you. And and it, it was really easy at the time. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure it would be if I was tripping again. But <laughs> that's. Yeah, that's so cool though. Like, but you almost, you have to really be tapped into someone to like see how it's playing out. Yeah, you, it, it requires a, a really deep level of listening. And his whole point, uh, I'm trying to find this guy's name. Um, it, his whole point was that it was like, you don't listen to, you don't actually listen to what they say. You look at, you basically read their body language and that'll tell you more about what's happening than, than their, um, uh, than what they're actually speaking. He, it was all about like trying to get to the subverbal level of people's communication. And he was like, that's where the truth is. Um, Oh, I think that's so on. So Dylan, what um what saints are you like super fans of? Mm. Like, do you have some that are just like super inspiring to you and and like does that go to their, their actual like their their historical hagiography or their their like golden legendy you know, I'm just I'm just interested because if we've known each other for a while, a good while, and um, from like our, um, you know, from Rune Soup and whatnot, and uh, mostly from like the like Saints stuff. Like I've seen you in the Saints room a lot. We've always been kind of back and forth about stuff there. So I'm just kind of interested. Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, the big BDM. <laughs> the big the big mama herself yeah notorious big fan 
the, the notorious BVM, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, really like her. And that's, I mean, she's only, she's before the golden legend, right? So. Any particular um, form? Uh, any instance or apparition? Or just all around or? Yeah, several. I'm I'm a big fan of Black Madonnas for sure. Ah. Uh, yeah, I've seen a few. Very cool. In uh, in Barcelona, like uh, the Our Lady of Montserrat, she's like she's like radioactive. So oh, she's like vibrating. I'm and uh, I've never yeah. I've never been never really like worked mm -hmm. with her. I just but yeah, I she's she's magnificent. Yeah. So some some local forms like that and then there's also kind of like what i consider to be more like kind of theological forms like uh the immaculate conception uh she's kind of her own thing which is for me kind of linking back into the uh the woman of the apocalypse and um biblical wisdom hmm. uh i think she's kind of tying into all of that mythologically and functionally uh uh, and then yeah, some like more modern apparitions too, like Fatima. She's she's really awesome. She's weird. Oh. Yeah, yeah. She's a. Uh, I, I imagine there are probably some people that have met Fatima and just like reported it to uh, Mufan. <laughs> <laughs> What's Mufan? The uh, UFO like tracking and reporting yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is this little gray alien who looked like she was praying <laughs> or like there's this, there's this giant white like thing and i lost time and i feel weird like yeah uh, <laughs> and then the sun started to fall out of the sky yeah. <laughs> that's not normal for a thursday <laughs> i started eating dirt you know yeah, Our Lady of Lords, she, St. Bernadette, when she was witnessing her, she would, like, start to eat dirt and, like, do all kinds of crazy things. Oh, that's really uh, interesting. Yeah. It's all very sanitized when you read about the stories, like, from pious, uh, like, sources, you know, just kind of telling the story. But I think uh, it's Jacques Fallet who talks about that in Dimensions. Uh, where she kind of the the weird like erratic behavior of the people having an experience and being witnessed by witnesses uh, are kind of like calling into question like for him he's kind of calling into question the intent or the the human the humanness of uh, the entity that they're speaking to uh, and then there's also been like people who've pointed out that our lady of Lourdes was like kind of a fairy queen kind of relating to uh, like Pyrenean because it's in the Pyrenean mountains uh, folklore about fairy queens and women in the mountains and it's kind of Basque region mm. it's not exactly Basque region now but uh, historically it has been very cool I'm, I'm a big fan of um I don't know what it is, but I'm like obsessed with the whole idea of spirits and their transmission through time through different culture and how they 
you know, have different permutations or different versions of self uh, based on what the interface, what, what kind of interface is called for. And yeah, like, I, I just love that. Like, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think it's helpful to to try and do it as some kind of like, uh, you know, like some people do that. And, and I, I myself did at one time <clears throat> doing it like some kind of detective, like you're, you're going to figure some shit mm. out or something, but yeah, I, I definitely did that too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> it's in our nature as humans to just want to solve mysteries. Um, but I think it's, it's much more uh, helpful to just like be with mysteries um then try to solve them but like i, I think uh guadalupe is a great example of that she's like the, the perfect example of it because yeah. like pe more people at least pre-covid like more people are still visiting her than the vatican and i mean that's fucking that's something mm -hmm. and and how many people would be visiting her if she were still the aztec goddess um well, I heard an interesting point from a podcast a long time ago. I forget who exactly it was, but they were talking about kind of uh, asking themselves that question of like, oh, and is it is it um, Tonantzin or is it Guadalupe? Like, what which one is the the real kind of the core of the entity? You know, and he used to be kind of down on the side of Guadalupe and like for more kind of an indigenous older uh, kind of origin for her. But then he realized that actually she, Guadalupe at this point would have been worshiped longer on the Mount than uh, Tanansen had been, or she would have been under the name of Tanansen, you know, because she was actually just installed there recently by, uh, you know, the Aztec uh, people who were kind of changing alliances and I mean not alliances sorry um yeah paradigms paradigms yes yeah, it's, it's it's really fascinating it that whole story is is insane and yeah because then you, you start thinking outside the bounds of time and you're like well, well thinking with time but not in not in a linear sense and you're like okay, well, if you're this longer than you're this, which one are you more of? And and I think it's even a different kind of answer is closer to the truth, like something like, like there's a bigger, different entity that is more multifaceted behind both of them who had at least two, you know, uh, two kind of characterizations through the interface of like, culture and myth and and image um there's two that we know of right but the, i think that it's like the the true self is behind that just the same as any of your numerous incarnations or whatever like aren't no one of them is you they're all shades or um like shadows of different parts of the spirit self uh, i think it works the same for spirits kind of in that in that way almost that makes sense yeah and, and Guadalupe is a good example because she kind of the the elements that came together to make her iconography are really kind of like time traveling almost like they're they're infinitely readable and for example like if 
different interpretations of her name, Guadalupe, say that it has an Aztec origin coming from like what would have been like serpent skirt or, or stuff like that. Mm. Um, but then it's also a name of a place in uh, Spain. And there was an Our Lady of Guadalupe in Spain, Guadalupe, Spain. And so when they named Our Lady of Guadalupe, that's, sorry? Yeah, she's more of a Black Madonna from like the, the, from the medieval, uh, early medieval period. But so for, but that's for example, like it's, it's weird that um, this one name would have from a countryside in Spain would have also been the same words or like the, the, the words to describe the same goddess. Uh, if, yeah. Sorry, I think I'm a little. <laughs> no, yeah, that's very interesting. I, I, I think, uh, I mean, I, I, I go, I go, I'll go off the rails with that kind of stuff because I think there's even really interesting stuff that happens with, like I said, I think in one of our calls recently, like uh, that, you know, even languages that have no uh, traceable connection, there are really interesting, like synchronistic things that happen with uh, definitions and sounds. And uh, and I think that this is like a a similar shape to that. It's like, why did this, what? <laughs> um and they do have they both have the garland right like the the original one and right they both both guadalupe's have the garland of 12 stars if i'm not mistaken i'm not sure actually i don't really remember i, I feel like the i think the guadalupe in spain is just kind of like a seated kind of throne form mm. I don't think she has a crown of 12 stars, but maybe she does, I'm not sure. The one image I'm thinking of is one that I actually mistook for, I mistook it for a black Madonna, um, someone else. But I'm, yeah, I'll look it up. What's the, what's the stories with black Madonnas? I don't, um, there's multiple of them, yeah. And is it like, yeah. They install the statues. They install the statues, and then they darken over time, or something. Is that what happens? Or do they start out painted that way? I think there's kind of multiple explanations for. Yeah, uh, some of them start out painted that way, and then some of them they say are like are stained by smoke uh, from candles, and then there's also kind of sacred, like reasons why they would be painted that way or why they would be um, considered to be dark. And uh, one of them is from the book, The Canticle of Canticles or The Song of Solomon, which is describing, um, which is like love poetry basically. And it's uh, Solomon speaking to, or we assume, it's a lover speaking to another lover. And they are using a lot of, um, metaphorical poetic language and she and at one point she says uh the female lover says um i am black but beautiful and then there's some other like descriptions of um her being dark skin and so that's one possible reason why they would have chosen to paint a madonna with black skin um then there's that's also the 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 kind of the legendary interpretation that she would absorb the sins of her 
for worshipers. So, so she turned black from absorbing the, the sins and taking them onto herself. Oh, interesting. Okay. But uh, yeah. So some of them are actually painted that way and then they have different reasons for having painted her that way. And then some of them are just stained. And it, honestly, it's just kind of mysterious. They're just old. They're really, really old. Often they're described as, um, they're like the Byzantine style, basically. And so it's like very early, it's before like the Gothic style developed. Um, it's, it's Roman, it's called Roman style too, since the Byzantium was Rome. Uh, and a lot of their kind of like origin stories are being like washed up on shore from a shipwreck or from like Jerusalem or like um, being just found in a cave. Uh, Our Lady of Montserrat was like a ball of fire that led um, like a shepherd boy to a cave and that's where she was found. But then e even oh. before that, it was like monks who hid her from invading Moors or something like that. So, Someone oh, so, invading. Uh, oh, that's fascinating. So there's this idea that, that like they existed even before the church or anything. Yeah, either. they're like weird artifacts that kind of tumble through time. And that's kind of, ah. I, for me, that's what a Black Madonna is. Like, it's the object, it's like the idol itself, I think, which is a person. Yeah. Uh, but then she's obviously also connected to, like, what I, what I said earlier, which is like the theological or like archetypal Madonna, which is um, in Our Lady of Guadalupe's case, or like, like, um, uh, the Immaculate Conception, because she has other women of the Apocalypse, because she has a crown of 12 stars. She's standing on the moon. She's wearing the sun as a mantle. Um, so they kind of like absorb each other, like the local and the, and the kind of universal or archetypal. I find it's interesting. It's like, it's, a, it's like a paintbrush. It's like every stroke is different when it comes to the Virgin Mary. How many? I think. How many how many skulls does Kali usually have on it as a as a necklace? How many heads does she usually have? It's the uh, I forget, but it's the same amount as letters in Sanskrit. Okay, because they are uh, because she she supposedly she she like mythologically speaking gave us Sanskrit. I mean that's true for several of the gods. I think like a lot of them gave us Sanskrit, but she she gave us yeah gave human skin Sanskrit because Kali is supposed to have like black skin as well. Uh, right. Black yeah yeah. Well, I that's actually my my take on things is that essentially the well I have I have a couple like. I have, I have a couple possibilities that I kind of go back and forth with Black Madonna's. Like one, the simplest answer to me, animistically speaking, is aliens. Is <laughs> obviously <laughs> aliens. no, they're um, but they're that they're just like these ones that sound like they pre-existed Christianity. Like to me, that they're probably local deities that refuse to be forgotten. And refuse to be refuse to starve from human attention and, and their offerings and, and and interaction and engagement. So like they're like, oh, what what fits? I'm gonna reach into your head 
your collective heads as a as a tribe or as a group or as a city or whatever and construct this form for an interface and then stay relevant um, and keep interacting and keep this relationship going with humans. But I also think that in some cases it's so like I'm a I'm a Asherah stan and all her permutations like um uh Astarte and Anana and um etc cetera, etc cetera. it goes on and on and on but um but my my feelings on like she was she was the queen of there were a lot of queens of heaven goddesses but um she was specifically the queen of heaven and earth and she was also um she also had her underworld journey which is it's really interesting um how i think when when the goddesses were sort of pushed into the back of the human consciousness and made less accessible for <clears throat> for ritualistic like interaction and ceremony um through the spread of christianity then then we get these marys all these different marys arising um and part of that like i said i think it's just like feminine spirits that are like well, I'm gonna stay current, you know. Um, I'm gonna upgrade. I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I need to do to to stay uh, in the game. <clears throat> but then I also think the aspects of like the bigger mother sort of spirits, like the Kali of the West, I think is basically Astaroth, and that she kind of got pushed into the grimoires and demonized uh, because it's that dark dark feminine aspect and I think that the the black madonnas in a lot of ways are kind of that like some of them at least are probably this uh insistence upon the the dark feminine to be present in the human consciousness and in the world and it's like like in some cases it's like maybe incense made it go black or maybe it was just like no, you're going to recognize that the dark feminine exists. Um, and this is just going to happen. But yeah, I guess that's my yeah. take. Yeah, the dark feminine is, I, I think that there's this archetypal um, kind of pulse that kind of pulses through all of these different characters, even if they're, or figures, even if they're um, entities. Uh, even if they're like an object or like kind of seeming very like local, like like a statue or something like that, it always has uh, this impulse of, of archetypal symbolism. Like Our Lady of Shaft, uh, for example, she was um, said to have been carved by Druids before Christianity arrived. And uh, and then basically like when the christians arrived and like converted them they were they were like oh well they just made a statue of the virgin mary because she's real you know they just before we came uh, and told them it was uh and then at the same time also when when you visit shaft and you can like go into the the crypts you learn that 
the crypts are actually, they're like huge crypts under the cathedral. Uh, very luscious and um, dark. And it's like, it would be pitch black in there if you didn't have uh, artificial light. And like with the ceilings painted with frescoes of like stars um, and uh, saints and stuff like that and angels in the, in the Roman style. Uh, apparently people used to go there on pilgrimage and like stay for nine nights in the crypt and be like singing and praying and uh, like doing whatever they do, uh, sick people, caring for the sick people. And uh, that was part of the healing kind of ritual. And then on the ninth day, they would come up through the crypt and kind of come out mm -hmm. if they were healed, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, it's like nine nights, like the womb, underground, starry sky. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it doesn't matter where or when she comes from, you know, it's like, it's, I don't know, it's always kind of just pulsing through time and space. Yeah. Hmm. yeah I, I couldn't agree more i think it's it's almost like different layers of creation and not in an emanatory like distance from divine way like not a platonic way but but like um <clears throat> like i imagine one big mother spirit mass thing and then yeah. as, as as time went on and and people interacted then there's like a couple things that sort of branch off from that that are bigger and more specific. And then more tributaries and more like streams and creeks come off of those big rivers and and like it just keeps going and going. Uh, but they're all like, they're all connected and they're all like part of one being, but the, they're all also like individual people too. And it's, it's just so interesting. It's like, I, I always wonder like, do the spirits do they enjoy that? Like, do they get to get to be more variety of things as they coast through time, like weaving in and out of human interaction and stuff? Like, what's it like for them? Like, what's in it for them? <laughs> I often wonder. Mm. But yeah, I think in her case, I think I think there's a kind of joyousness. Oh, I'm sorry. I think there's a lot. No, I was saying. Oh, uh, uh, sorry. No, I was just agreeing that I think that there is a kind of joyousness that is uh, part of some entities wanting to interact with humans well i think what's it's kind of interesting symbolically like with all of these it's like she she carries you as a child for a certain amount of time because she's everyone's mother right so she gets to carry you as a child that's maybe that's part of the interaction especially with especially this idea of going into a crypt for nine days like nine days nine months like a month a day um all I know is that if I ever own a company, I'm part of my, you're going to have crypt leave. I'm going to leave that <laughs> into my, you have to go to a crypt for nine days. Like if every year. Nine, <laughs> nine days or 90 days. There's no in between. <laughs> <laughs> you get a raise, a little raise if you go for 90. That's interesting. I, I've actually thought of the whole world as her right like as all of existence the whole universe as this one one mother and then this one masculine spirit like imagine an egg and a sperm right like the way that metaphor and physical reality are always like kind of mirroring one another like they're 
Um, the spirit world makes metaphor with the physical and vice versa. And so I think of like an egg with a sperm entering it. And the, the sperm is this active masculine force that moves everything around and causes stuff to like end up happening. Um, and it's that vague, like it's just that vague until they break down um, into specific instances and interactions and things. And then they become like uh, smaller, not lesser, but smaller deities and forms. But it, it just, it's just really interesting to me. Like I think all the way up, like you get that same shape of like the biology of reproduction and it makes me think that that we're probably we're all her babies and like we probably have to keep being born until we're ready to hatch like it, it just seems like we're we're all gestating inside mother and this is like before life even begins like that that all of our world and and all of our lives it's like it's just our 9 days it's our 9 months hmm. yeah that's called a wicca <laughs> It's called Wicca. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm like, I, didn't, I don't get the joke because I'm like, because it's like like this. all my conceptions of Wicca. Like, maybe I have it wrong. <laughs> no, because you're just describing like one masculine spirit or god and one masculine uh, feminine uh, goddess, you know, which is kind of what Wicca is all about. Now, but... Wicca now. That's it. <laughs> I, th I think it'd be hilarious if like all this time it's like the, you know, you guys, I'm a Wiccan like, now. They got it right. <laughs> I have my <laughs> pentacle. <laughs> you know what? That's it. Yeah. I'm going to go buy a plaster chalice and a... Uh, and and, uh, and my, my name is, uh, is Raventooth's uh, Silver Cloud now. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also, it's also my gender. <laughs> Raventooth. Raventooth is the best name. Because <laughs> ravens don't have teeth. <laughs> really beautiful. Uh, no, but um, yes, yes. I, I agree. But I, Serpent Claw. Serpent Claw is good. Serpent Claw. Isn't that a... No, no, that's not that's not a Harry Potter house. No. <laughs> that Ravenclaw, you put them together. Yeah. I almost said Ravenclaw, okay. but I'm like, no, yeah, no, no, right. no, no, no. It's too easy. <laughs> too simple. That's the thing. <laughs> uh, it's actually it's actually funny because um uh the, the Joe Dispenza, who's this uh who's like a new thought guy. His whole philosophy is like you you become like his whole thing is about like you close your eyes, you, you go through this meditative state and you become no one and no thing. So you can become anything. And it is sort of a similar idea about you. You're retreating back to this place of darkness, the this womb, this place of total potential. And from that, you can you can manifest what you're uh, you're what you're looking for, or like what you hope to achieve um and it's, it's just odd that that sort of carries through mm. um whether they're conscious of it or not this idea of like kind of the cosmic womb you have you're you must retreat to that to then renew or reborn be reborn or to birth anything well it's like an archetypal truth the, the idea of your attention can either be 
pointing forwards and active and doing something, or you can be like sitting back and assessing and taking in all the data and like kind of blurring your, you know, not focusing on any one thing. Mm-hmm. And that right there, like, is the active masculine or the like the more passive, like, uh, perceptive field feminine. And and from there, it just like, you know, goes, uh, descends into like infinite levels of complexity, uh, further complexity. But it, it just kind of amounts to that. And and the, the trick is that men in our culture don't understand the other modality anymore. Like they they don't know how to be soft and uncertain and 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 not in control. And all those things are like what that ma- that feminine teaches you is how to like walk into a situation and not be in control and not know all the factors and like be calm and be present and take everything in and be in flow. And then that way, like, you know when to kick in with the masculine at the right moment and like make an action or uh, affect the world around you. But yeah, fucking men miss that. And they don't, they're they're too afraid. Like, I mean, we're all traumatized constantly in the West, but like there's like by design, it's mostly thinking of America, to be honest, but. um, Not me, bro. (laughs) <laughs> no somehow <laughs> kurt lives in brooklyn and he just walks around giggling and zen all the fucking time uh, yeah you're invincible if you can do that um i, was I, don't, also know, trying... I don't think it matters and i should probably stop talking now anyway uh, I, w- I was also trying to give you an example of uh <laughs> you're wrong bro you're wrong not me man that's why the uh the I Ching is really endlessly fascinating and all of the kind of Taoist like philosophy and and magic that comes off of comes also comes off of analyzing the many nuances of that interplay between masculine and feminine hmm. Because I don't know if you guys have ever like looked at the I Ching, but it's like um, images almost. Of, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like, like the, the images of like different, yeah, different levels. It's like geomancy, but at different levels of masculine, feminine, kind of stacked on top of each other, and it makes different things like the abyss or the lake, the flood. The, the quake um, and they kind of analyze how the how the kind of masculine and feminine energies like sit on top of one another in a given situation yeah the hexagrams uh, uh, yeah the hexagrams there's 64 it's the martial art I study is woven into I Ching, even though I haven't really studied it that much. But it's um, because, and actually, there there is a the martial arts called Bagua Zhang, but there is an actual thing called the Bagua, which is the eight kind of largest categories of the forces that are then further broken down. Yeah, yeah, and um. The Bagua is, it's also used in feng shui somehow. I, I don't know exactly how, how all of this fits together, but yeah. 
Um, I've always meant to dive deeper into it to try to like uh, gather uh, gather. It, apparently, it's it's a it, it's a really interesting divination tool too. But it's and it, I for what I understand, it's like very matter of fact too. <laughs> I liked it. I like it. I mean, I don't really. I I haven't dived really deeply into it either. But um, yeah, it is an awesome. That's how I know it. Just divining with it, and it's really easy and clear. Yeah, and matter of fact. <laughs> but the, its language is interesting. Like having also like studied tarot and uh, a little bit of geomancy and and stuff like that. It it has a logic that's similar to geomancy, but it has its own kind of value set and way of expressing those values by looking at um, yeah it's, I mean it's very evocative kind of hard to describe mm. it's 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 like you take the hexagrams which can be analyzed but mostly you consult the kind of the poetry that the hexagram is is, is associated with and then there's commentaries on the poetry as well yeah And for what I understand, it's like the oldest. Like I think, I think the I Ching is older than the Tao Te Ching. I think. Yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, it's like the oldest. Uh, might be the oldest divinatory system. No, maybe. Uh, but definitely, what the oldest like? They're not exactly religious texts, but kind of. <laughs> Well, it's definitely a magical text. Yeah, Taoism is very odd in that way. Yeah, I think that would be accurate. To, it's accurate to call it magical for sure, mm. even if not religious. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, Brian, what you were describing earlier about kind of the emanations coming from uh, kind of higher to lower, but or bigger to to more multiguous multitudinal <laughs> uh yeah yeah because that fits in too because it's it it's because the bot the iching is divinations of yin and yang which are two energies which are actually yeah a splitting of one there's there's a hole that's broken into two that then yeah what there's the the Taoist saying is like uh the one begets the two and the two begets I think it's what the two begets the three and then the three begets the 10,000 things or something like that. I forget. I forget exactly how it goes. It escalates quickly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that also kind of reminds me of or the way that I think of the Virgin Mary is kind of more like Gnostically, kind of. I, I like to look to the, the Gnostic kind of descriptions of creation and emanation. Um, for thinking about the the nestedness of the divine feminine, if if that's what uh, it's the whitest word ever, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, if that's if that's what we're kind of talking about, like um, because for me, it's I like to see it as kind of like this kind of uncreated kind of god that is beyond everything, which is just so beyond everything and so transcendent that. It can't do anything. It's like incapable of acting by itself because the second that it acts by itself, it creates something else because mm. um, it's so complete, you know. And then 
afterwards it kind of creates Barbello, who is the androgynous mother, mother, basically, the he needs to create, so he needs to create like an androgynous body, uh, which in some Gnostic cosmologies is, is Barbello. And then Sophia comes down later and she's actually quite young in the, in the emanation scale. And for me, she's kind of like, she's just like Barbello, she's kind of Mary, but she's also kind of not Mary and they kind of do the same things as each other sometimes. Uh, but I feel like she's kind of like God wanting to know itself. He, and then he questions himself, you know, and that's, I think her sin and what kind of makes her fall, even though it's not necessarily as posed as a sin, uh, but she looks at her reflection, you know, mm. and she decides she wants to enter into, uh, whatever they're creating and or no, she wants to like look upon the face of God. And it's actually from that, uh, that creation happens because there's kind of a splitting and she gives birth to the, the demiurge. Um, but it's going back to this idea of archetypal like shapes. I, I like the way that Eric Newman Um, visualized it, which was uh, kind of opposing poles of elemental and transformative and uh, positive and negative. And he kind of placed goddesses and figures on this uh, spectrum, on this circular spectrum. Uh, and kind of, so, so that's like kind of a very broad way that you can kind of categorize different forms of different goddesses. Hmm. I like that. If that makes any sense. <laughs> Elemental being like the kind of maternal aspect and then transformative being kind of the, the like wife aspect or the initiator, the mother as initiator and the mother as like guiding, you know. It's like feminine, feminine or masculine, feminine. No, it's all feminine. But I, but I mean, like, the, the active is the more masculine of the two. Like, the, the initiator is the masculine form of the feminine. Like, if, if that makes sense. Like, the, the pure feminine is that black, like, pre-incarnation, pre-manifestation. Yeah. And then, like, the one that comes into the world, like, it's taking action. So there's, like, this mixture uh, taking place. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, Sophia is kind of, yeah, that's, a, that's the virginal figure, you know, it's the, the masculine feminine, as you said, like, it's the, it's the woman who is not tied down to childbirth, mm. who is not tied down to family, and who is not tied down to, uh, to what kind of is expected of her, you know, and that's, a, that's what's interesting about the Virgin Mary's own virginity is that she is her own lady, you know, because of that. Party girl. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the positive that's the positive transformational character the negative one would be like the witch or the the enchantress who is like initiating but in a dangerous way or an intoxicating way that is ultimately like kind of distracting or uh entrapping uh and then of course like the elementary would be the the nurturing mother or the devouring mother um 
and then each one that's not to make moral judgments either because each one can kind of shift freely between um positive and negative if that makes any sense i feel like i'm describing something really technical <laughs> i mean I'm but it's quite simple <laughs> i'm tracking if our if our readers uh you know if our, if our listeners don't don't know they're readers <laughs> they're just because they're reading magazines they're like <laughs> get posts while they're have this on in the background um <laughs> i see you uh, <laughs> yeah i don't know what i was gonna say though oh i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> to derail you oh, god damn it um I I would uh, I would I would maybe put uh, I would rephrase some of those I would put I'd put the the like dangerous enchantress ones that that would be that would be on the fun spectrum that's on the fun mm-hmm. side the, the, yeah the of course <laughs> <laughs> yeah me too I do that every day <laughs> um, yeah okay so that's the like if you don't understand uh, just go practice more <laughs> uh yeah that's it's really fun to talk about this stuff i don't i don't think that many uh i don't think enough enough <laughs> men care about the the dark feminine <laughs> i mean the very nature of it is like you have to get um certain parts of your like like what we think of masculinity as is like this like or what we've been tricked into is that it's this uh ability to essentially control and 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 like impose will uh and and like you're saying about the uh become nothing and then you can become anything i mean that's like that's always been a thing for me um yeah i think that to do that though you have to forego certain egoic concerns and hang-ups and things and it's like that's the process of that requires things that are looked at as like being weakness and that that men are like raised to fear um but it's like you can't actually be who you're supposed to be until you've been <laughs> chewed up like like bubblegum by a goddess and spit out. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about it more recently as like the just kind of just conflating completely the idea of the unconscious and the spirit world um, as like the kind of the, the, the giving into, it's, it's not necessarily about wanting to exert control, but it's the fear of losing control. Yeah, I think that's exactly what you just said. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, but then once you lose control, and you like acknowledge what is inside, what, what is on the hidden side of the, on the other side of the moon, you know, once you're able to deal with that, 
then you can actually start to live as yourself and the and the unconscious or the spirit world will start to kind of move with you you know the your unconscious your personal unconscious but also like just the circumstances like fate and destiny of your life at least that's what i'm trying to do <laughs> yeah yeah amen it's it's like also there's an element of the um once that occurs there's this true knowing that the world isn't a cruel dead dry place and and you are actually held and and it might hurt and it might be it might but it, but it won't seem nearly as cruel right like after after you've been torn apart and like you're like oh there's there's some big ancient mama mama bear who's got me <laughs> um mm -hmm. then at that point it's like it you know it might hurt but it, it won't be as cruel i think that's important something that i've been reading a little bit of the young of the red book and something that Jung said, which really stuck with me was that uh, the God of the child is an adult. Um, but the God of an adult, of a true adult who has come to adulthood is uh, a child. Mm. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's... Yeah. That's kept and so I think that's that's kind of the, I mean, that's kind of the idea of the kind of the transformational side of the feminine is like allowing the, uh, the person to become individuated, you know, in Jungian terms, kind of guiding the person along that path. So she's not necessarily a mother figure anymore. She's a, she's a guide. To gnosis, you know, like Sophia. Uh, she's not necessarily like the, the nurturing mother who is going to give birth to you, but she's still, because it's like birth is an initiation and then, the, and then there's a second initiation, you know? Hmm. Like the actual cutting of the umbilical cord. Like you cut the physical one, but then there's a, an emotional one that hangs around for a very long time. Yeah. And that's when the uh, kind of the mother becomes dangerous and becomes a devouring mother when she doesn't want her child to grow up. She stops, she actively stops her child from growing up. And that's when you don't invite her to Christmas for a few years. You just got to yeah. <laughs> lay it out. This is, it's my life, mom. <laughs> I'm a grown up. Look, you can come visit when the kids are born. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've, I mean, I've had, I've had that experience <clears throat> on mushrooms <laughs> with someone, and she was, it was very much like that. It was like, uh, it was like I'm cutting you loose, <laughs> like you're old enough. <laughs> That's how it felt. Um, and it was terrifying, but it was like, afterwards, it was like, a, oh, oh, that whole experience was like, I, I thought I was going to die that night and had to kind of come to terms with it. And she gave me plenty of time to do that. And then, you know, at the end, she was like, 
good job. Go back to your life now. Like, <laughs> like you know, um, I just needed you to to be comfortable with the fact that you're going to die and know that I'm here and that it's not a big deal. But to do that, you need to like sit here thinking you're going to die tonight for a couple hours and like actually really explore what that means and and what it means that there's like this being here with you uh while that's happening which means you're not alone for it so it changes everything but that was that was kind of my like getting cut loose thing and who was saying that to you i'm not sure exactly like if I had to guess, I, I would say like it's somewhere between someone like like it it felt it felt like my experiences of Kali, but but when she showed up, she was not that form. Um, she was something very different. Also familiar, but like uh, I got the distinct impression that it was like like there was just no. It was like it mathematically didn't work to ask who she was. Like it just wasn't an option. Mm -hmm. It's like you're just you. This is just happening. Um, or is it possible that it was just so big that there's no name that could really be put to it? I it felt like a more specific. Like if we're talking about that em, emanating or like various, but if it wasn't like the big circle like it was uh, it was like broken down some and it was more specific than that <clears throat> like there were there were some very specific characteristics that match someone in particular but i'm always just hesitant to say like that's who that mm. was even though i'm pretty sure i feel like i know who it was it just doesn't feel like it's prudent or like polite or something <laughs> it's a secret it's not like if she would have wanted me to fucking it was Dolly have that certainty she would have told me <laughs> it's like when when i when i encountered kali on a journey she i didn't know who she was really like at all i didn't know anything about her but she said like she just said kali ma like like <laughs> yelled in this booming like baritone voice and i was like Okay, I guess I'll Wikipedia you later. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's that. I'm also very interested in why which forms like in the in the sense of if you were outside of all of existence looking in, like what the what the mechanism is that determines who feels so close to specific forms or who, why certain forms of, of goddesses or mother shows up for uh, like, or specific beings, specific mother spirits show up for certain people. And like, sometimes it's ancestral, but sometimes our ancestors are a lot more than the ones in our blood in this life. And like, shit gets really weird really quick. So I'm just fascinated by the idea of like, like who who you really vibe with and why that is as opposed to others like in general yeah 
I think, yeah, that's a mystery that I don't know if we'll ever really figure out why people are drawn to certain, certain things over others. Probably a million reasons. There have been a few people uh, throughout the course of like the Magical Fortitude course who have kind of figured out why for a couple like spirit relationships they have like mm -hmm. uncovered like oh this <laughs> here's like some some uh historical um evidence of why i would be linked to this place and this spirit that's from this place and why they kept popping up for me a few years back or whatever some things like that um <clears throat> but it's only sometimes, you know, like sometimes it just doesn't make any, any sense that we can see. But I, I, I always, I believe very firmly that there's like always some kind of like sense to it. Um, like I, I had a, a quote unquote bad trip once. Like I had too much of uh, some designer hallucinogen and I encountered <clears throat> like a Hindu deity and two Buddhist deities that I had never even, like the Buddhist deities were like these obscure skeletons that guard the charnel grounds that I'd never even heard of or seen a picture of in my life. And it was still like three years later until I saw a picture of them in real life. And I was like, God, no, I almost shit my pants when I did, you know? But like, like that, what? why the fuck? <laughs> like, why the fuck would I run into, I'm not, I wasn't, I had no history of Buddhism whatsoever. Now I'm now I'm interested in Buddhism, but so you get that like timey wimey shit going on. Mm. But um, but I think it's probably more than that. I think it's probably like past life stuff. And I'm just now at the point in the time, this point in the timeline, catching up to the work that I was doing before this life. Um, nah. But it's, it's just really, it's really fun to. To kind of play detective uh, lightheartedly and with that kind of stuff, with with yourself sometimes you can figure it out. But God, it's just really interesting to me. Yeah, and I think sometimes they're also like there's an element of them being on a mission, you know. Uh, like in your case, when you when you suggest that you're catching up to a work that you were doing before in a past life and that you weren't able to finish, they're also like, 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 come on, let's get it done. <laughs> it's time now. <laughs> we're here. Yeah. Yeah, it's also really interesting to think that that's true. Then being born in the West uh, during this time period was like literally selecting like nightmare mode on doom mm, you think so i'm gonna i'm gonna go from being like a buddhist to like i'm gonna be born in the west become a crack addict for years ah. and like heroin addict for years play music and like have a wild fucking life and almost die <laughs> and like i mean it's just it's a it's a crazy thing to choose if you were like having this peaceful like everything yeah i don't know maybe maybe it's like <laughs> it's like uh oh yeah i spent my whole life as a monk 
Uh, enough of that shit. Vacation, try to get away. <laughs> it's like the scene in Wet Hot American Summer when they go into town, <laughs> like, <laughs> like doing heroin and stuff, and they come back and like, it's always fun to go into town, even just for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Yeah, you gotta, you gotta be a mat. You gotta, you gotta remind yourself why, why you do this holy shit. You gotta do the really unholy shit to. <laughs> you gotta have a sin to forgive. Yeah, exactly. I wonder if, like, as soon as you attain enlightenment, it's just like, like immediately, like you're bored, <laughs> and they know, they know that's gonna happen, and someone comes up to you and they're like. So now what do you want to do? <laughs> it's like, God damn it, I guess I'm going to go back down. <laughs> oh, so you're going to you're going to you're going to help save other people? Nah, fuck that. <laughs> Fuckers didn't help me. I hear they have this this crack stuff. I think I want to try that. <laughs> Did you yeah, see like how can you know what crack is like if you live in heaven yeah you you can <laughs> yeah it's research yeah yeah sure <laughs> for my novel <laughs> <laughs> That would be quite the excuse in the afterlife. It's for my novel. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it, was stuff, it was just like a whole like, you know, entertainment industry that just was the same out there. God, fuck. <laughs> They're just harvesting stories. That's all this is. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's just a big... Stories. It's just a big cadre of people that are like, man, these Akashic records are getting real fucking boring. I mean, <laughs> stir it up a little bit. <laughs> Sprinkle some COVID on it. <laughs> Tell the CIA to invent crack. Yeah. <laughs> that made things a lot more interesting. Mm. It's too bad bath salt yeah. didn't really take off. Mm. Could be really cool. Could be really cool <laughs> right now. Like, just... Just people eating each other. We'll bring bath salts back. Maybe they'll stick this time. Somewhere there's a nightmare planet that's made of bath salts and it's got a full population that just like eats the rocks. <laughs> mm. I think that would be fun to write like um kind of kooky silly like uh kurt vonnegut style sci-fi um like that kind of mood and vibe and then but just make it like horrifyingly dark <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> we 
with no optimism whatsoever in the point but like everything's still got like a fun kind of vibe and a sense of humor to it and it's lighthearted. I mean his stuff was already kind of dark but I might be hungry at the point where I'm rambling, so y'all feel free to please just talk over me if you have something worthwhile to say. <laughs> I was no actually going to go, go real. Oh. No, he, we scared him away. <laughs> yeah, I just heard like, I was actually going to go. Yeah. <laughs> I just remind. I just remembered. I need to. I need to become enlightened. Hold on a second. Just give me one minute. We come back. It's just a, like blinding light, where his camera turns on. <laughs> I think he's, you think he's just lived in Paris and in, in France long enough that he's he's gotten good at the French goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the Irish goodbye. I think the Irish goodbye was when you break a bottle of whiskey on somebody and set them on fire. Huh. Well, what's the Irish goodbye? Is that you? Thought uh, that it's just leaving without saying, saying goodbye. Oh. That's what I. That was the. Uh, that was the or, origin. Or like passing out and breaking your table. <laughs> Getting arrested. <laughs> he gave me the Irish goodbye. He called your stepmother a whore. <laughs> God, apparently this means a lot of things. I can't keep track. It it would it would uh, it would suit the theme of the movie though if it was an Irish goodbye because <laughs> an Irish goodbye you know where you uh, kidnap somebody and set their house on fire <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah sorry you know I like muted in the middle of my sentence so I was just like <laughs> sorry I have to go well... <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know but actually, back, but we hoped. The, the French goodbye is uh, is kissing everybody on both cheeks before before leaving. So like you have to go around to everybody in the party, oh. kiss them, get kissed, and then and then you can leave. So so like during during COVID, no one could ever leave. You just have to be with the same people. Like I have, I want to go, but I can't say goodbye. So no, people just stopped kissing each other. So sad. Has oh, it not come back? That's the worst possible thing they could have done. Uh, I think, yeah, it pretty much came back. Everyone forgot about COVID already. Oh, okay. Well, that's good at least. Because <laughs> there was there was like that really dumb talk where it was like people are never going to shake hands again. It's like, are you oh, not with that person? Mm, not with whoever said I that. Think, I think there are some people who are like gleeful about it. Like oh, we won't have to shake hands again. Yay! <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, 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 there was a big contingent of like shut-in weirdos that were like, "This is the greatest thing ever." Oh, we're never going to get to leave our house or wash our hands or have sex again. <laughs> wash our hands? <laughs> well, if I don't need to leave my house, then why do I need to wash my hands? It's the greatest day ever. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you, if you wash your hands, though, like pizza grease, you don't get the taste of pizza grease later, so... But then, if you if you if you wash your hands, you won't like stain your mask as you touch it. <laughs> Remember that? I would see people with like stained masks and be like, <laughs> "What's wrong with you?" 
<laughs> yeah. What's wrong with you? Get a black mask so no one sees your face. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like yeah, it's so supposed to be cleaner. <laughs> Why? You didn't get a mask with a food hole? Loser. <laughs> with a crazy strong. <laughs> I just got my, my G tube installed. Yeah, it's way easier <laughs> taking that mask on and off. <laughs> Oh, a sandwich, man, that looks good. Uh, applesauce for me. It actually would have been a, a fun prank to get like a, an all-white mask and then have like a hidden tube that just pumped blood into the mask. So it just like soaks and soaks and then just bleeds over. And if somebody looks at you like, like they're a fan... Uh, your misfortune you need to like take it off and hit the pump harder and like squirt out like monty python style just water that lawn it's like pig's blood yeah yeah pig's if, you blood. Keep it, if you keep it warm you know it'd be really good like a a a camelback, <laughs> pig's blood <laughs> that you just kind of like squeeze. <laughs> now, 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 I can't stop thinking about someone really thirsty, just like going up to their camelback, and it's just like full of pig's blood, just like after like a jog, you know. <laughs> <laughs> What do you expect? Why? You know how when you like take a drink of something, you think it's something it's like, oh fuck, that's Sprite. It's not water, and it like really messes with your head. It's like Brian, do they have the so the blood sausages there? Probably. In Denmark, they have, they have a bunch of they have a lot of different kinds of sausage. I'm sure they do. Denmark, yeah, but I don't. They have a. They have a blood pig blood sausage here, and it's not. There's not even. I was looking at the ingredients, and there's not even like meat in it. It's just blood and flour, and like spices. Mm. Whoa! In a tube, yeah, in a tube of like an edible tube of whatever <laughs> made out of intestine. <laughs> yeah, and so actually, actually, I think I had, I had blood sausage, in Dublin, which is fitting for this episode. Oh yeah, yeah. They call oh, they call them puddings, right? They call them blood puddings, even though it's like a weird. Sausage. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> it's, I it's, didn't realize that blood pudding was a sausage. That's yeah, basically crazy. It's just not in its little husk or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's not bad tasting. It's just kind of very rich and kind of like nauseating. Yeah, it's me. like it's it's like eating a like organ meat or something. It's very it's a, it's got like a lot of like I remember having almost like a metallic taste or something. Um, but I only had it once. I had it a long time ago, so I don't. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the Irish goodbye I like that. Kidnapping the daughter and letting the house on fire. <laughs> I'm going to try that next time. 
<laughs> but uh, it's interesting that we kind of ended up kind of segueing into the the talking about mothers and stuff because there was very big mother goddess vibes in the the mm. wonder you know like the even the um, nurse was always wearing blue no which yeah was kind of a virgin mary figure um yeah and then she also did this kind of initiation of like someone dies and then someone new is born because she like renamed herself and it was kind of a rebirth next to the yeah. holy well also by the way oh yeah that's right yeah. where you put a wish on the tree yeah uh that was an interesting but there were lots of really interesting perspectives to the movie especially since kind of going back to the colonial uh character that sometimes came up like when she first arrived i was impressed that all of the irish people she was meeting were depicted pretty like very dignified and they were speaking to her in Irish and she didn't understand what they were saying. And even towards the end of the movie, they were telling her like, you don't understand us. Like, you don't mm. know me. You don't know us. You know, they kept on saying yeah. that to her. Like, you don't understand what you're talking about. Like, this is how we live. Which is why I thought that this was, that there was this kind of weird, like, tension between, which is what Brian was going back to, whereas maybe maybe there wasn't supposed to be any clear answer but uh but yeah tension between like what are the beliefs of the people and then what is the place for kind of a symbol of colonialism to come in and um judge it i thought it was a little judgy a little judgy Well, I mean, they are they are just all a bunch of heathens. So, I mean, hmm. <laughs> yeah, I almost think when you confuse the like who's right or wrong or whose side is the filmmaker taking to where like the audience doesn't know, like you're like, oh, I just am left with a bunch of conflicting perspectives. It kind of reframes uh, what happened. Uh, it almost frees it. Like if, if the audience is willing to go there, it can it can help like liberate it from any context except except for itself, like any imposed context, because all of the perspectives end up becoming meaningless to just the experience that the people had. Um, and like the fact that you get to bear witness to that. And it just becomes, I think it becomes more interesting when a filmmaker isn't trying to make a point to you or convince you of their viewpoint yeah it's uh, more elevated to just be like these events occurred and this is how all the different characters would have viewed it but it doesn't change the events Yeah. I was getting some scully from her too. Some scully energy uh -huh. from the nurse. <laughs> I was really impressed with her acting. She was a really good actress. I think all of the actors were really, really good. They were. 
I, I like the girl that. was the girl was really good. Yeah, she was. Mm. I felt kind of weird. I, I still feel so weird about why the girl in the like weird museum set looking thing talking about stories in the beginning and the end was also in that time period. Like, why did they use the same actor? Um, it just felt so disconnected. They could have edited that part out, like the very beginning and very end parts uh, that like removed it from context and it would have been fine. Like it just seemed unnecessary. See, for me, that was like, when I first saw that at the beginning of the movie, I was like, that's interesting. This has potential to be interesting because we're going to talk about stories and we're going to talk about how stories are perceived and how they're framed because they're literally showing us the framing and like the set, the film set. And then you kind of enter the, the ship hold in the very first scene, but you, you're like in Netflix, 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 ship hold. And you see the, how the illusion is so perfect. Mm -hmm. um, how you just kind of perfectly slide into the story. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was, there was a lot of potential there to kind of talk about like belief and miracles and how, yeah, and just kind of the slipperiness and seductiveness of, of belief which is, you have to admit, it's very seductive. I mean, we're all, we're all believers here. We're all kind of like magicians who believe what we're, that what we're saying is, is important. I mean, what we're, that, that, what we're, that we have an impact on the world. Um, but you have to admit that like, belief is very seductive in a bad way, which is, I think, part of what the message was of the movie. But I was just, I feel like there was some tonal. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why where Netflix was, what they were trying to do by inserting themselves into the story like that. And the character who was in the time frame and also out of the time frame, she almost came off as like a bardic sort of character too. Because she, she at one point she like turns and addresses the camera like yeah, in, this, right. in the scene, in the, story, in the yeah. set. Yeah. And she's kind of posing us questions. It was puzzling. It was puzzling. It felt almost like I feel like it there were it was that got cut that showed her being more of a mystical character somehow. I don't think so. Cuz this really wasn't magical a magical reality genre film. You know, like there wasn't any element of like, oh, that's weird, you know. True. It was always very firmly in the like plausible kind of realistic, quote unquote, realist uh, style. Even when she was like languishing from drugs, I was expecting some sort of a further experience, like some sort of a vision or something from her, but, but no. Yeah, she was just, it was just uh, wallowing in revelry, like her, her just, you know, and memory likely is what, what that seemed to be. Um, yeah. Reverie. <laughs> what? The fuck was that?
ghosts <laughs> ghost being like you guys are going doing this too long <laughs> shut <laughs> up <laughs> um they, they didn't want me to reveal the secret that 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 lady is from raised by wolves and uh <laughs> And as uh, it, it doesn't have the awesome future mullet that she normally does. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, everyone in the future has mullet. <laughs> There's some bold hair choices in Race by Wolves. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I definitely think it's it's worth watching. Um, Me too, for definitely. sure. Uh, if for nothing else than to be mesmerized by that girl's little tombstone teeth, like she had these like really like little <laughs> round tombstones. It was really odd. I. Uh... I think I might have had a higher opinion of it. Like, I actually thought it was pretty great. And I thought, like, like I, I definitely could have done without the the whole thing about the, the beginning and end that kind of, like, cut it out. Like, if they had just started with that scene in the boat and just left out all that other talk, I'd been fine with it. But I really liked <clears throat> that whole conflicting perspectives and no right answer stuff. And uh, I was, I actually was kind of like waiting breathlessly for them to ruin it by, <laughs> by like, you know, pushing it in one direction or another really heavy handed ah. right at the end or something and being like, because I hate that when someone drops the bomb of like, yeah, just kidding, it's propaganda. And you're like, well, I just fucking wasted an hour and a half of my life. <laughs> Because it wasn't that, you know, if it, it's not that enjoyable looking back if I know someone was trying to just convince me of something. And that happens a lot. Yeah, I think, I think for me, maybe I just would have liked it to be more ambiguous. Mm -hmm. I, I, I feel like for me, it kind of failed a little bit in its ambiguity. But, but I still thought it was a really great film and it was beautiful. Like, I, re I would recommend it to someone to watch. I agree. I, I think that it definitely could have been, I think that maybe more infused more, a little more mystery or left more mystery in um, or haunted feeling to it. Mm. Yeah, and definitely more uh, gunfights and car crashes. That would help. I could have just used more fucking. <laughs> a lot more fucking would have been nice. There was, a, there was a fuck scene, though. I was surprised. I was like, what, what's going on? Why did it, like, that was a very was like, what? confusing confusing scene to me i was like like afterwards i had to pause it and be like wait are they like dating from back in england and they they both like arranged to come and i had to make up this story to make it make sense in my head and then because and then, i didn't see any chemistry between like i didn't see any sort yeah of, me neither yeah it was weird i was like that Normally, you can and, and in a scene like that, you can feel it build a little bit, even if it's subtle. But, but I mean, they're English, so who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're just weren't reading the cues subtly enough. <laughs> but didn't she like want to have sex with him after she found out that his family starved to death? 
Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, it was like the pain. That, that was when she was like, that was when she was like, okay, let's go. Yeah. 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 Weird. It's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, did you say your family died? <laughs> Hot. Can I? Hot. Can I suck your dick? <laughs> <laughs> wow. And then they're like, made a family together too <laughs> yeah well okay so my they stole a kid no, no. yeah they stole a kid <laughs> they made a family together um uh, just shoplift a child that's my fine. interpretation was that she was going to be mad at him because when i heard that story i was like oh you were <laughs> off pursuing your career as a reporter in london while your family locked themselves in their house and starved to death you're a monster and then yeah. she's like, get inside me. <laughs> you got priorities. I love it. And yeah, yeah. And I didn't see that she was attracted to him at all. She just seemed like pissed at him from like the moment that he started talking to her. Just yeah. like, oh, leave me alone. But uh, whatever. I mean, yeah, she could have done it without him, I think. Not sure if she was. I'm not sure what he was bringing to the story, really. It's the accomplice character. Yeah, but it was it was interesting that like they talked to, they talked about how his family uh, starved and they like locked themselves in their house from the inside so that they wouldn't have the indecency of dying like in front of other people. people. Yeah, that was powerful. Might have served the function of um, being more colonial than her so that you had a juxtaposition so that you could see even though she is representing this colonial perspective that is imposing she's the more like passive she's like the accidental racism that mm -hmm. wokesters will accuse everyone in the world of <laughs> like it's like that kind of like accidental colonialism where she's she's got her heart in the right place but she's still imposing uh and he's the more active like these simpleton idiot um kind of attitude even though he's from there like that's still his yeah. sort of way and I think that he's from there but he's even more that way but then he even goes back on it at some point and is yeah more, yeah it's it's very it's very odd I I felt confused about what yeah what his deal was like as from a writing from like a, a story perspective well it's true that he did go back on it because when she suggested the idea of kidnapping the child uh he was against it and he was like this is just what they do this is like their life and you cannot just come in here and change it you know he basically said that to her even though he did end up helping her uh yeah. it was kind of a i guess he was just kind of a foil for her yeah. like to reflect at first <laughs> she was kind of judging him for wanting to uh make a spectacle of the girl uh, and like humiliate her, I guess, by proving that she was fake. Um, and then it kind of shifted to like being an accomplice. Yeah. But what's interesting and, is that like, uh, you yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah. And, and then again, and then again, being challenged by her when she kind of flipped in the other sense where she was like, now we have to take the child away from her family. And he was against that. So and one, on one hand, he was like judging them, but then he like, didn't want to intervene and you know. i i 
am I wrong or did I I feel like she went ahead and acted through with her plan not knowing if he was fully committed or not Mm. and that was that was another aspect of it um I think they just kind of cut away from the agreement and let us lie in wait like they usually do in or wait to know why well because it's well, yeah, actually, that's a good point. I, I think he could play either way because when the nun is talking about like an angel taking the girl away, like she witnessed the oh, angel yeah. thing. Um, and I'm like, I'm, it could go either way. Either she knew that that was the plan and was worried that, that the nun was going to tell on her, or the nun was confirming her hope that the guy did what she asked. And yeah. Um, I don't remember the, where that sits in the timeline, though. So it could be that was at the very that. end. Yeah, um, it kind of feels like his purpose in the story, uh, like you were describing as a foil, is like when I do a three card or when I do like a tarot or a, a card spread, it's like one, two, three uh, on the horizontal, and that's like the town and the situation and everything, and then like the top is like what it is and the bottom is what it isn't is how i do it so it, it mm. those are foils like so if, if you see the situation but to really give you some perspective it's like a it's this it's not this um and it's crazy how much that helps to like iron out any questions you might have about the three cards so like i feel like he's the like not this like main character is this not this Yeah, and also that's just in general, we know ourselves better or, or like we can know characters in fiction, but we can also know ourselves better by how they how they or we react to other people. Yeah. So I guess that was his purpose. We discovered it, guys. Good job. <laughs> we did it. But the nun, the nun's kind of message was interesting at the end. I'm of the opinion that she was confirming uh, that she knew kind of that they kidnapped the girl, that she was hiding it for them. She mm-hmm. was kind of protecting. But I think I could see how it could be seen, how it can be ambiguous enough that you're not really sure. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, well, I think the way I'm thinking of it, either way, it's confer- it's it's her realizing or yeah, realizing that either way, it's just confirming whether he actually went through with it. Whether she knew that the that the guy was going to go through with it or not is is yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe we're saying the same thing. I have no idea. Whatever. <laughs> uh, all I know is he had he had a really sweet top hat by the end of the movie. Oh yeah, I noticed that too. <laughs> It was really tall. It was like fuzzy. It's like mm. velvet. Yeah, and they were like, I was a little surprised when they were the when they were on the boat too. Maybe I'm nitpicking, but they were on the boat to like Australia, and it looked really fancy. Yeah, I'm like, this is a journalist and a nurse's salary, and they're on a boat like that. It was yeah, like, well, maybe that was a that was a big fucking deal in that era to be those things i mean maybe maybe i don't yeah, think so though 
Hmm. Plus she wasn't paid. Oh, yeah, that's right. But then also they were like, we're just going to send you to Australia. We're, we're just, we'll, pay, we'll, we'll send anyone there. We'll pay you to go to Australia. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe. The books are really, really nice. But then you, you arrive and you're like... <laughs> They just needed a little <laughs> of the girl with like, they just needed to like uh, tease at like a scar for one of her kidneys. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, we got this kid. I mean, she's got, she's got some organs. We can. No big deal. They're all skinny <laughs> from being from being fasted. <laughs> or maybe that's just the only child they stole that we know about. Mm. <laughs> There's oh, also really an operation. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's basically QAnon. <laughs> it's been going on that long. People are still blind. <laughs> Sheeple. Ah, uh, in, out, in, out. Uh, I get it now. It's <laughs> talking about Joe Biden and the <laughs> the storm, the coming storm. It's talking about Donald Trump in and out of office, of course. That's what they. That's what Netflix was trying to tell us. It's absolutely. That's absolutely where this, where's this guy's from? He's from like Ecuador or something. He was Ecuadorian cinema or something. He's, he's, he's totally into QAnon, this guy. <laughs> Who? The director. He's from, it's, or is it from Chile? Why the hell is he? He's, he's from somewhere in South America that. Um, ah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Cause I had never heard of him and, and I'm like, this movies what are the rest of his movies and like i haven't heard anything i hadn't had never heard of this guy i've never heard of any of his films um i never realized i didn't actually even realize till later that the the main actress the nurse is the uh is the girl from midsummer i had no idea that was her um i don't think i ever saw it's midsummer it's midsummer I don't know how it's pronounced. Is that how it's pronounced in the native language? I could be like, Miss Soma. His D's are like, it's dumb. Yeah, of post-dictatorship Chilean cinema. What does that mean? Post-dictatorship Chilean cinema. I have no idea. But it sounds really good and fancy. Oh, is that a genre or is that? <laughs> oh wow! I, uh, may, maybe it was like they didn't. Chile didn't have Chile didn't have a, a film industry until after the. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the Chilean film industry is like. Period. Enough. I've ever seen a Chilean film. Maybe. I'm not sure if it's Chilean. It's about gay uh, Chinese people 
in like South America. I forget what it's called. It's very specific. Uh... It's it's called uh, yeah. <laughs> two, uh, two gays in a castle. I think is what it's called. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> oh no, he broke up really bad. I, I feel like that was hilarious too. <laughs> yeah, I know. God damn it! <laughs> Sad to miss it. Um, can you hear me? A little bit. Yeah, it's a little better. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it was that funny. Is Castello Spanish for a castle? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying two gays in a castle. It's... <laughs> it's, it's not as impressive. It's, it's, not as funny as, it's, not as, it's not as funny as two lesbians in a castle. No. No, it's true. <laughs> There's nothing funny about two lesbians in a castle. <laughs> One of them catches on fire. I kind of want to watch it though from your description of it. Although I'm not sure if I remember what you described it as. It's like Dracula in my mind. <laughs> no, it's there's nothing supernatural, but it's oh. it's just a really beautiful, well done film. Like I, I yeah, I've I've heard it. it's I've heard it's really 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 good. Yeah, it was it was it was like captivating. I I my friend I, I saw a friend who I hadn't seen in years, and like we were just like hanging out for the night, like, and he was like, "You want to watch a movie?" And he just like picked something off of his hard drive, like his like giant many terabyte hard drive of media he's been dragging around for years, like a smart person and. Uh, just picked it and I was like what the fuck are we watching Bob and he's like just give it a chance you know and I was like this is incredible <laughs> but I, loved, I also loved that it was like two bros who hadn't seen each other in a long time watching two lesbians in a castle like <laughs> I had this really really funny moment when uh christina my wife we, we were one of one of our first dates we went um oh what the hell is the movie it's by the same guy that did old boy oh. he did this he did this uh movie that was about these two these two women that ended up in a lesbian relationship <laughs> and it had these really like really like uh uh graphic sex scenes <laughs> and christina's like what what what's happening here and i'm like i didn't know that this was happening in this movie it's not why i picked this that's I'm just gauging your reaction <laughs> uh fuck it was a that was a, it was an awesome movie though what the fuck was it called um Oh, the handmaiden. That's right. That's what it was called. What sounds familiar? It's funny how anytime we're in the middle of a show, I can think of a thousand fucking movies I want to do a show on. And then 
an hour from now, I'm going to be like, nah, I have no idea. I don't <laughs> Let's quit. I don't want to do the show anymore. <laughs> I give up. And then next like Sunday, I'll be like, fuck, we got to find a guest. <laughs> there's a there's a two lesbians in a greenhouse movie that I really like. It's called The Botanist's Daughter, and it's Chinese. Hmm. It's really beautiful and like lesbians in a greenhouse. In a in a greenhouse, yeah. Oh, a greenhouse. That's nice. Yeah. I thought you said a grain yeah. house, and I'm like, that's oh no, bleak. <laughs> oh, in a greenhouse, it's very like misty and uh, green. That's sultry. I love, I love, yeah, I love and sultry. how I, I love how we've created the two lesbians in a subgenre. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to be approving this hashtag on our Mastodon <laughs> tomorrow morning. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, yeah. But it's, that's also the joke in Bojack Horseman. That's the, he works with this like indie director and she is like a lesbian indie director who, and they're always describing her movies. It's like two women who meet and, discover themselves did you guys watch bojack horseman no i i started it but i I never got i didn't get that far into it like i think i if i had if it had come out or i'd seen it like several years sooner but at that at the by the time that i ended up trying to watch it it was just like i don't have room for another sarcastic cartoon like this like for for four And I'm like, I'm just going to go watch anime. Like, <laughs> fair, fair, fair. <laughs> but it was just a timing thing. Like, I, everyone says it's great. Yeah, they say it's, like, really depressive. <laughs> That's the thing I keep hearing about. Yeah, yeah. That's fair, but it's funny. It's funny. It's, uh, what's the word? Not acidic. Acidic? Acerbic? That's the word, right? Yeah. Acerbic. Yeah, like the acid. Hasidic. It's it's a Jewish. It's a Orthodox Jewish. Uh, no. Hasidic. <laughs> Acerbic acid. Uh, yes, or acerbic. I don't even know what that means. I just use the word. It's just, I think it's a synonym to to sarcastic. It's usually like harshly sarcastic. Sardonic. Yeah. We'll just keep using yeah. these fucking words, $14 words that all say the same thing. Why are there so many versions of this? You and your $5 words adjusted for inflation. Now it's $14. Wow. It's expensive. I went to the grocery store the other day and I was like, whoa. that's 2022 that is literally i went to the grocery store the other day and i was like whoa and plus i went to aldi you guys know aldi there's some in the united states aldi uh i've heard of it yeah germany yeah yeah it's a german company and it's cheap normally it's the cheapest one of the cheapest grocery stores they don't have a lot of free dairy free stuff so i don't really go there but ah yeah, no, they don't. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it was expensive. I was like, everything is like 30 cents more expensive. What the hell? It's been really weird here. It's been like, um, 
like meat is like a quarter like 25 percent more expensive one week and then the next week it's like twice as much for the same price like special and i'm like what the fuck yeah that's really weird like like deals that i've never seen before one day and then the rest of the week it's higher prices again but then it'll happen again and it's like these great deals i'm like this is just really weird it's like everything's costing the same they're just doing it at different intervals like making spikes in the charts yeah i think that's that's um they call it like a whiplash effect like it's like they they run low on it's all supply chain issues like you run low on stuff so you order a whole bunch for the next time and then you end up with too much stuff so you have to cut the price and then you end up back in the same place that you were before which is obviously intentional because it's like this is a thing that's it's like a science they have it down to and it doesn't it doesn't get this bad it doesn't get that weird like it's I think it's so that they can make it look like there's scarcity. Like if you just see this weird, it's like, oh yeah, things are strange, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I imagine that it's yeah about delivery and and supply chains, but I have no idea how any of that works, honestly. But that's also like a culturally. I mean, anything happens here, and it's news. It's like yeah, off of town. So like prices fluctuate a little bit and it's like oh is the apocalypse coming like should we be concerned actually are you having are you both having similar like uh are you going to have similar problems with like heating and stuff or is that more isolated to germany and uh i don't know from what i understand germany is like much more dependent on gas than France's. Uh, so it might be a little bit bad, less bad here because we have lots of like nuclear energy. Mm. Uh, it's like 30% nuclear energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the prices will definitely go up. Uh, I'm not sure. We'll see. So far, it's been a pretty, I mean, it's not technically winter yet, actually. It was a pretty warm autumn. It's only now starting to get cold in November, but like October, uh, like all, all the way up until um, Halloween, it was uh, pretty warm. Like we were able to, I was able to wear a t-shirt in Halloween. Yeah, it was similar here. It was, it was pretty warm here too. And I remember when I lived in Chicago, Chicago is much colder than here, but by October, you were like in your winter clothes already or by, uh, by Halloween. I feel uh, fortunate, like the uh, most of the houses that the priests live in are old, but ours is like ten years old and got remodeled before we moved in, and the floors are all like water heated, and that's our heat, so it takes like hardly any electricity whatsoever. It's really? Just, like, it's that's just, efficient. The uh, the water pump. Or the, the water heater for like that you use for the shower, it's just hooked up to that. Like it's a bigger than normal one. And it it just cycles it through tubes that go under the floorboards. And it just cycles it. So it always stays hot. It just goes like runs through the floor and then comes back to the tank and reheats. And it just keeps wow. doing that. So it's so, so the 
the electricity that you're using to heat water is like also just heating the whole house, Basically. kind of combining the the functions. Yeah, cool. and it costs it costs like more than it would to just heat the regular water, but it's not a lot more. Like it's not dispersing that much. It's just kind of like heating the wood, and that comes up and in, into the rooms, and That's like. Nice. Um, yeah, and we've got a little fireplace, but like I, I, I have no idea. Like it very well, we very well could get blackouts come fucking February. Who knows? Uh, it's hard to say because Denmark's in such a weird like. We're in the EU, but we're a Nordic country, but we're also America's like little little like super fan and. And like all these, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's really weird. The the one thing I don't know. I don't know about energy. I know like at least Denmark pretty much feeds itself. Like all their fact, they, they don't have factory farms. You know, it's all pretty sustainable. Uh, well, I don't know about sustainable. I don't even know what that fucking word means. But um, like. It, they're not like monocrops. It's like a bunch of single family, small time farms that have like several things and, and they're all subsidized. But like most of the produce and the meat and all of it come from this country. So that's cool. Oh, uh, that's, that's really cool. As long as there's firewood, we'll probably be all right. Um, there's furs, you know. Hmm. <clears throat> There's uh there's cows you can treat like tauntauns from Empire Strikes Back and just slice them. Open. <laughs> yeah, that's what they look like. All the cows are long haired. <laughs> They're cute. Those are, those like are the... the cutest cows for sure. <laughs> there's that scene in Rick and Morty. I don't know if you guys saw that another acerbic cartoon, but uh, there's like a cute little animal. They do a basically a want wonton. What is it called? Wombon from Hanton. Hanton, yeah. Hanton. They do a scene with that and it's like, <laughs> yeah. Cut it open and go inside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Morty is just like, uh, but he's our friend. He showed us where to find water. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, shut up, Morty, shut up, Morty. We have to, we have to get inside. You want to freeze to death? You want to freeze to death? <laughs> and then he like kills it and they crawl inside and he's like, oh, wait. Are we on the right planet that I was thinking of? <laughs> <laughs> it's dumb. But uh, yeah, I'm in a I'm in an apartment actually, with communal heating, uh, like classic radiators on the wall. Uh, so I don't know how it'll go, but I have double pane glass and it's really well insulated my apartment. So let's see. That's that's huge actually. That makes a huge difference. That's like yeah, it does. It's like living in a thermos. Yeah. <laughs> you can set yourself on a coffee table fine no but the problem problem is is i share the cost with the neighbors so it's like if they're cold then like just, they're gonna turn up the heat yeah i just imagine now i'm imagining that you just the every radiator has a little spigot that just spits out <laughs> stew <laughs> this is just right <laughs> like soup because it's a thermos the whole thing's a therm <laughs> two like lesbians in a greenhouse <laughs> it's like onion soup too it's nothing fancy 
Onion soup is it's the same for your floors, Rev. It's all soup under there. <laughs> it's gluten free. Very free. It's really expensive to fill it up. It's like twice as much. Dylan, do you have anything you want to promote? I, I don't. I don't actually know what you do, but I, I didn't feel like uh, didn't feel like you came here to talk about your personal life. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, I'm fine. I don't have anything to promote. I'm good. I'm just promoting myself. Hi, guys. Cool. Um, promoting Black Madonnas is what he's promoting. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, just go to uh, www.darkabyssmotherwomb. <laughs> <laughs> are those are those dashes between dark mother abyss and womb or is it just one word it's periods it's all periods between each word. <laughs> that was a pun right is that a pun uh, it could be um yeah i think uh Thing now that I'm making menstruation jokes out of punctuation, I should probably go eat something and go to bed. No, sounds good. <laughs> just just get your floor stew or your floor soup. And just happen to some floor soup and eat some of that. Just have to stomp on the ground really hard. It'll shoot up. It's like the Fonzie move, like with floor soup. H. You just stomp really hard, and you hold the bowl up, and it splashes into the bowl, goes way up in the air, and then splashes down in the bowl. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna go to bed, and uh, so I can get up and learn Danish tomorrow. But man, those those are really great. Uh, experience. I really enjoyed watching that movie because the ride was like not knowing what the fuck they were trying to say. It made me pay closer attention and I just I had a lot of fun with it. Good suggestion. Yeah. I'm happy I, I'm happy I watched it. Yeah. And thanks so much for coming. It's been really good hanging out. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. See, you did fine. Oh, oh really? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I feel like I kind of got confused sometimes, but well, like, by my own. I think I think we we try to make sure we get confused more than a guest, just to make sure that they feel comfortable. It's it's not that we naturally get confused constantly. Uh, it's, ah, that we're trying to be <laughs> No, I'm always confused. Yeah, no. I winked, so I don't know if you saw that. I saw the I saw the mouth open. Oh, I do that. That accompanies, yeah. Shadows. Anyway. <laughs> oh, well, have a good night. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. Thanks so much. This was great. Yeah, thanks. Bye bye.